Tea Soul Pop, Season 5, Episode 2. Hello and welcome to Tea Soul Pop, the mini podcast for busy teachers. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about building students' learning habits is Stepanus, or STEP for short. Step is a former EFL teacher who taught in Costa Rica, Spain, and Lithuania for several years. He is currently in the process of publishing an ebook on conflict based role plays, as well as developing an app that engages English language learners in reading and building their linguistic awareness through gamification. Stepanus, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how we can encourage learning to continue beyond the classroom for our teenage and adult learners. We're going to look at how we can help and motivate learners to build study habits that support them in practicing and using language outside of lesson time. In addition, we're going to suggest technologies that we and our learners can utilize to support the ongoing learning process. As with many TESOL POP episodes, today's topic is relevant to so many teaching contexts, whether you teach ESL or other subjects. So why not continue the conversation in your teaching community by sharing today's episode with your peers? What are some of the challenges you've observed learners have in making progress with their language learning? There's a certain lack of opportunities they have to practice the language outside of the classroom, especially in real life situations. So that would be my main uh, observation. I'd also say there's a certain lack of autonomy or self-directedness that they have. I think they, we tend to develop this mindset that uh, learning happens in school and we can only achieve our learning goals with someone guiding us, like a teacher, trainer, or coach. I would also say there's just a lack of tools that would keep us engaged. I mean, there's a lot of tools that help us with uh, habit formation, et cetera, but not really... I haven't seen any that would be effective with in terms of learner habit formation. And perhaps lastly, a lack of relatable context. Unless you're doing a private, they're doing private tutoring one-on-one, uh, the content will be event- at the end of the day selected by the teacher. And, you know, the more students, the more taste. So to find something that appeals to everyone is hard. And, you know, and the goal is really to how to raise the intrinsic motivation which will lead to sustained long-term engagement that they can um, kind of that they can use to learn outside the classroom. It's exactly that, isn't it? We want to set our learners up for success so they can go out into the world, whatever they may be using the language for, whether it's for work or for travels or for a combination of the two, and to be able to have successful and meaningful interactions uh, with the people they engage with, right? Um, but if we're just limiting that just to the class time alone. Um, progress is going to be quite slow and learners may not have the confidence to engage in those real life situations. Absolutely. And they'll, they'll draw that line between, oh, this is learning. And after the lesson ends, okay, now I can get back to my regular life. And, you know, our goal as language educators, well, one of our goals is to like uh, bridge their classroom life and their actual life. So you've talked about the challenges that learners face, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to that. Like maybe they're teaching in a context where there isn't many opportunities for learners to engage in language practice outside of the classroom, or just maybe they just don't know how to uh, because they haven't developed that skill yet. So of course, my next question is, how can we help our learners develop study habits to promote ongoing learning beyond lesson time? Ideally, we would have, we would integrate the learning, the opportunities we can find for them to learn outside the classroom, in, inside the classroom. 
So you'd have to dedicate some classroom time, ideally uh, regular classroom time, and then give give them out projects, uh, smaller or bigger ones, depending on you know their own uh, abilities and needs. And they can do some uh, small projects, um, tasks, or presentations. Uh, it's an old method, but really worked for me at least for a, quite a few years. So even simple book or TV show reviews, um, show and tell if it's really young students uh, or for uh, young adults, adults presentation topic that uh, they find personally interesting really works. Um, I had a student once presenting about um, how to brew a beer and, the fi- and how his famous local brewery does it. That's brilliant. That's such a lovely example of what I assume is an adult learner (laughs) relating um, language learning in a context to something that's really meaningful to them. Yeah. And of course, as a teacher, then you learn something. So it's a win-win. When we met to prepare for this episode, you mentioned technologies that can help learners outside the classroom. Could you share a few examples? I'll start off with one I recommend the most, which is lyrics training. And that's actually just a um, a gamified app where uh, people can, uh, yeah, listen to the songs and fill in the gaps while they're listening to it. Oh, nice. I've never heard of that before. So is it got like a variety of languages on there or is it just English songs? Good that you asked. Yes, it does. I'm actually learning Portuguese with that app. I love that. I really love music. So I imagine for learners that really want to kind of get into the pop culture of what's trending music-wise. That's a really great way to kind of bridge that. What's your second technology that you suggest? Well, students are familiar with Google Translate. And that's a highly contested uh, topic, you know, how much students should be encouraged to use it in classroom but or outside of it. However, Google Translate has a function, tap to translate, that a lot of people have not heard of. And that basically enables the user to uh, select any text on any application but basically anything they see on this, any tag they see on the screen uh, and yeah, immediately see it translated into their language. Yeah. I'm definitely going to challenge that because I can imagine some listeners are going, wow, isn't that, is that helping learners um, learn the language of study that they're intending to, or is it just keeping them within the bubble of their own L1? Yeah, the big crutch question. And uh, yes, because I'm really, and it's funny you asked uh, a friend of mine who was uh, used to be a student actually asked, could there be an app that has offers synonyms rather than translations? And interesting, there is a Google Chrome extension, Simply Synonyms, called Simply Synonyms, that actually does that. Sadly, for uh, mobile users, have to translate is the only option at the moment. Oh, I see. So... Are you envisioning with the Simply Synonyms uh, desktop version that is, that is currently available, that would sort of act as like a, a grading feature, like to grade the language maybe down a bit, or at least help learners maybe recognize more words that they may be more familiar with? Can they like hover over a word and be like, ah, I'm not sure about this word, what's the synonym of it, that kind of thing? Exactly that. Mm. Now that is really interesting. Is that kind of what you had in mind when you mentioned Google Translate? Yes. Uh, well, at the end of the day, this, it's also a matter of what level they are and how curious they are. Because you do get those learners that they just want to have that single word translated right now and move on with it. And so it's really hard. What you know, as a teacher, want you have to be very discerning and to maybe 
provide this these suggestions for those who you know will benefit from them. But at some point, yep, you just have to push the synonyms, uh, paraphrasing, and this is where Tap to Translate or Google Translate loses its power. Although even today, Google Translate is much better because now it offers synonyms and sentence examples below, which is something it didn't offer a couple of well, three years back. That's really good. Like, and I can imagine if we demonstrate that for our learners in the classes, like this is how you can use it. And to be honest, I think one of the arguments for this is that learners are using it anyway. Like this is a very common app that a lot of people are aware of and they probably do have on a mobile de- mobile device if indeed you're in that context. So why not lean into that, acknowledge that you're using it and show them how they can really maximize it and not just skim through, but like you say, click on the synonyms, look at the example sentences and use that as a learning opportunity. So we've talked about lyrics training, Google Translate, a very controversial one that I'm sure our listeners will probably respond to in this episode, which is great. Let's keep the debate going on that. I know you had one more that you were going to suggest. What's that? It's Microsoft OneNote. So it's a note-taking app. And um, yep, as we all know, note-taking is very important but i think especially once we switch to more digital learning we kind of didn't pay enough attention on how we can foster good habits in note-taking and um, yeah and the reason i recommend one note because it's completely free it's easy to sync across multiple devices and actually now a one note is updated so it's much more mobile friendly and you, you can even make short voice recordings oh nice so giving options in to record your notes in other ways particularly if it's, you're doing pronunciation work or to bring the pronunciation a bit more into your note taking anyway yes yeah, so again that's a completely new feature they've introduced in the mobile version that i haven't even tested out well haven't made activities to try it out but in terms of value it's yeah it's just perhaps the most important maybe the most boring looking tool from a student's point of view but we do know it's actually maybe the most valuable and again it's just up to us to make sure they use it and like you say we can do that by creating time and space in classes to demonstrate how we can use these things keep on going back to it give time for them to take notes I spoke to Emily Bryson on season four of this podcast, and she does wonderful work in graphic facilitation where she enables people to use graphics and different ways to take notes, um, whether it's a teacher conveying meaning or the students recording it themselves. And I think OneNote is a really good example of, yes, you could take obviously written notes, but you could do voice recordings. You could do small drawings to accompany what you're taking just to make it more personalized to you and what's going to help you beyond the classroom when you're going to do your review or when you're preparing for the next class. Absolutely. And what usually matters to me the most is how many clicks does it take to read your notes? Because any tool, the longer it takes or the more effort it takes to like reach the point where you can actually, uh, learners can put uh, input something, the less likely they are, they are to use it in, long, in the long run. 100% agree with that. And one thing I'll say for our listeners, because some may be in places where maybe Google is not accessible or maybe OneNote is not an option, there are often lots of um, equivalents or similar technologies out there. So if you're listening and you're thinking about that, I, it's a good idea to share this episode with your fellow teachers so you can discuss, is there something similar that we have access to already in our school or where we're teaching that we could use that serves a similar purpose? Um, 
because at the end of the day there's lots of different texts that do compete um, with the same sort of features. As a parting gift what top tips would you like to share with listeners who would want to try and foster more learning outside the classroom and build those learner habits? My most important tip would be to start early in the course ideally on day one and it's important to transmit to the students that the goal of these of their learning is to have some autonomy, to be more self-sufficient and, and independent learner. And that, as we discussed, learning does not end uh, within the classroom walls. So starting early is one, and then checking in frequently. That is uh, being persistent and being resilient and Yep, seeing seeing students' progress, having as I mentioned, having regular sessions, so students still stay motivated, like in the middle or towards the end of the course. And if I had to name another tip, that would be something I, I practice quite a lot with my young adults or adults, and that is uh, again week one, I present them a list of a short list, ideally of, of presentation topics. And explain that each of them has will have to pick a topic they find most interesting and find a day during the semester to give their presentation. There are solid tips to end this episode on. Thank you so much, Steph, for your time and sharing your experience and ideas. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and recording this episode. Yeah, the pleasure is uh, mutual, Laura. If you'd like to get in touch with Step, then as always, I'm going to hyperlink his name on the website to his LinkedIn profile so you can follow his work. He's obviously got the publication coming out soon as well as his developments on the app. So you can follow that there on LinkedIn. And as always, if you have a question that you'd like to answer or indeed you have an idea like Step did to pitch for an episode, then you can contact us via Instagram, Facebook or the website tsopop.com. Finally, you can support the work we do at Pop by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast or by sharing Pop content with your teaching community or even by sponsoring our coffee break at ko forward slash Pop. We would most certainly appreciate that.